Airport Information Mike. Wind at 
Um, but cool, it, good it's, to know. It's going to look nicer and, and be easier to navigate. Um, of course, there's always the search bar on there. So if there's a specific aircraft type or uh, design that, that you like, if you like F-22 swag, you can just go to that search bar, type you know, F-22, and then it'll bring up all of our uh, products that have F-22 uh, design. So um, just keep that in mind because that makes it easier too. But anyway, cool. Ram Swag Store <clears throat> uh, will be up and down over the next week just because of some updates. So there you have it. All right. Have a little patience. The new improved <laughs> yes. Ram Swag Store is, uh, is, is coming. Yes. Um, and so... Uh, uh, 20 uh 2019 sorry 2020 uh man for aviation didn't start off on the greatest kind note started off with a bang the L- the month literally. of <laughs> the month of january uh in particular was pretty bad um we're gonna do a quick quick rundown of you know a lot of the uh aircraft uh that were lost um now the most high profile and the most notable of course is uh kobe bryant right um him and uh was it nine others or eight others i think it was, it was nine a total others. of nine total, of, total nine. of nine yeah it was kobe's daughter and the i pilot. think six others like passengers and then the pilot right so i think it was a total and of nine. Uh, a few yeah. other of those passengers were actually um basketball players and mm-hmm. uh they were heading to the mamba were, academy right. which is his uh you know black mamba is obviously kobe bryant's uh, mm-hmm. um brand and right. And for those of you that don't know or maybe follow sports, but yeah, that one, uh, that one was, I mean, they're all extremely sad, but you know, being sports fans like we are, um, you know, Kobe was kind of around at a, a very impressionable age for me and growing up watching him grow and, or watching him play. Yeah, watching him play. It, uh, that one hit home a little bit. That one was a little rough and you know, there's. A lot of talk about in sports when you don't like players and they're this and that. You know, Kobe was always one that you'd love to hate just because he was so damn good. And and he was such a fierce competitor when he was he playing was. against your team. Of course, our team, of course, the Utah Jazz, <laughs> uh, that we'll say. And um, don't be giving a shit about the Jazz losing streak because they picked one up last night. So yeah, anyway. Um, it's not jazz talk, but one thing that I like, and I, and and I want to mention too, I know you guys for however long, you know, especially if you watch the NBA or you're just a casual watcher of the news, you know, you've heard nothing but about what happened, Mm -hmm. but I mean, we'll share a couple of thoughts here because, you know, I mean, obviously he flew everywhere in a helicopter because of the traffic. Pretty much his whole career. Yeah, exactly. He'd fly to practices, games, everything. Yeah. So to and from Staples Center from his home. Flying in a a helicopter for him was like a daily thing. Yeah, it was just like getting in a car. And unfortunately, he got into an accident. So yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's a tragic loss anyway. If he'd been driving in a in a car or a limo or a van or something Mm -hmm. and that had crashed it's just i think it raised a lot more publicity because it was in a helicopter right and then you've got your your politicians are already saying oh we need better regulation and anyway yeah it was an accident yep you know and um there hasn't been an official report yet but i'll tell you what from everything that i saw it was just basically terrain yeah uh, yeah uh, controlled flight into terrain yeah. the, the weather was bad in the area um 
you know, all the evidence that, that's piling up, it, uh, it, it it really points to, unfortunately, the pilot right. just lost situational awareness yeah. flying in the clouds. Yeah, flew right into the side of the hill. Yeah, right? when, when you look at the wreckage and you look at the weather data, right. you look at the radar data. Um, it looks you know, like they just it, basically yeah. plowed into the oh, mountainside yeah. full yeah. speed. So, I mean, I guess for the fatalities, they probably didn't even feel it. It happened so fast. That's, yeah. that's what my and guess so is it's, as well. You know, thank God that's the case even though it's sad that they but according died. to um the daily mail and other news agencies they had special permission and they were flying too low for radar coverage oh yeah let's let, yeah yeah let's go into the media coverage a bit. <laughs> oh my god i tell you what it, it's unbelievable the media there's there was uh, um i'm gonna call out the the uk's daily mail it was the daily mail that they, we called out on twitter oh my gosh they were you know, they were listening to the um, air traffic control communication right. between the to pilot, the, the helicopter pilot, right. and, you know, and, and they were talking about how, um, you know, they were too low for flight following, which is flight following. Most people listening to this podcast will understand it's, it's, it's just, it, it's almost like a courtesy thing for, mm-hmm. for VFR flights. Right. Mm-hmm. Just to be able to, um, you know, uh, it's a safety thing. It's a situational awareness thing. It's right. You know, and well, when, a lot of VFR flights just yeah. request right flight following just exactly. as an additional safety net. It's Ex- not required exactly. Right. And and so, but when you're flying in a helicopter, which you know their flight envelope is low, very mm-hmm. low a lot of the times, especially when there's weather and a ceiling, mm-hmm. cloud ceiling. Um, you know, you, you can't get that because the the radars won't pick you up. And so that's what, you know, whatever controller he was talking to mm-hmm. um, had, had, you know, passed along to the pilot. And, of course, the media is like, oh, they were too low. And they... Uh, well, and, and the media also latched on to special VFR. Yeah. He had special permission, so does that mean he shouldn't have gone? Right, right. <sighs> I, I just SVFR special flight stories right away and not it's knowing right. the facts. They and don't. And the media is notorious for this. They're yeah. awful. And they're so awful. And you know, but I mean and and in defense of the media, just a little bit, just a <laughs> tiny little bit, yeah. is they they do have to disseminate this information and break it down to as many people as quickly as possible because right. people do want to know. Right. But they shouldn't speculate. Right. Number one. Yeah. And they shouldn't comment on things that they understand or things but that they, they don't, don't understand. understand. Which is ninety nine percent of aviation. Right. Right. Exactly. exactly. But right. the other task that they have to do is whether they know <clears throat> the the. Um, the specific terms that are being used or the acronyms or what they actually mean and not what they would mean just to the casual onlooker, they do have to kind of translate that into layman speak, so to say, so to speak. Do you you get what I'm saying? Yeah. They have to take these technical terms and make it so the general public can, can digest and understand what it means but when you're just flat out wrong oh yeah well these um, these news outlets you know i mean unfortunately in this day and age of you know more clicks you know more advertising revenue dot 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 you know it's they should have you know some go-to aviation consultants before Mm -hmm. they just type a bunch of shit because it's so irritating 
Right. You know, it's so annoying. And, and you know... But but nowadays, it's about getting clicks yeah, on your headlines. Unfortunately. And so... And it was such a high-profile accident with somebody who is right. so... You know, who is an icon in the sports world around the globe. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody knows who Kobe Bryant is. Everybody right. knows who he played for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he, he's a human being. Of course, he made, you know, stupid mistakes like everybody does. Right. Some some worse mistakes, some less. But, but higher fact profile is, because he yeah. was a high profile individual. Yeah, the, the, the fact is he was an incredible basketball player. We hated seeing him play against our team, our mm-hmm. favorite team, the Jazz. So it was like a love-hate relationship. Right. He was amazing for the game and what he did and how he performed and and you know, but going back to the actual accident, um, there's a couple things that that I actually um, that really kind of rang a bell for me uh-huh. listening to the NTSB and their and their um, their um, press conferences mm-hmm. and, and this and that and and um, th- this actually kind of it, it's like it's a di- there's a disconnect between safety in aviation and the reality in aviation in certain aspects mm-hmm. and when i say that it's because right away the ntsb uh you know as they're doing their investigation they started talking about you know accidents of similar type from the past mm-hmm. and recommendations that they had made like to the faa to mandate certain um, certain features on these, you know, helicopters and right. even other aircraft type, you know, fixed wing and, but uh, the, the the two main points that that really, you know, hit me and it's just like God, why why wouldn't this be mandated or why wouldn't this? Be? And of course, there's costs, there's you know the logistics of doing it, but first of all, um, um, having a, uh, a cockpit voice recorder on all those you know like this this particular helicopter is a high-end you know corporate type Mm -hmm. passenger transport helicopter the Sikorsky S-76 you know which is well known very safe helicopter Mm -hmm. Um, but of course no flight recorders right you know and even yeah I mean uh, no cockpit flight recorder no flight data recorder Mm -hmm. so it's like I mean if the NTSB had access to something like that, they could probably figure out immediately what caused this. Right. Um, and the second um, aspect of this, well, it, it, it ties into the flight data recorder. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like if they had that, they would easily be able to tell they were cruising along at this right. and then all of a sudden it just, it just ended. Stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like it was just controlled flight into. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. And, and, and the. I guess the last thing that, that, that I'll mention on this is the, uh, you know, terrain collision avoidance. I was just going to ask that. And some operators have that, some don't. And it's like, they should just mandate something like that. Especially, especially when there's, you know, I mean, there's weather everywhere all the time. Well, well, yeah. And what do you, do you think the, the pilot maybe should have also made a different decision? Like, is that does that come into play here also? Like, well, obviously he should have made a different well, decision. Well, I know, but what, I, but <laughs> I mean, what I'm saying I is, is, like, is like, don't you think that maybe, yes, 
do this, yes, do that. But don't you think it also just came down to he probably should have just been like, you know what, this isn't very safe today. But, but like, then I, again... I hate to bust, bust on him because I'm not busting on him, but I'm just saying, like, there are all these factors and there are things that you're talking about that could have right. helped avoid or can help them investigate it. But it also just comes down to... Maybe but, it just they shouldn't have gone. But that the day. thing about Southern California, though, or even just the California coast in general, mm-hmm. is there's always low visibility. So how many flights yeah. had the had they yeah. completed yeah, in those conditions he's using before? His experience from before, he's all. And but see, that can be dangerous too because it becomes routine, right? And you let your guard which down. Which is kind for of one my second. point, which right. is why I brought that up. Yeah. Well, but but. You know, the other thing, too, is like going back to this uh, uh, terrain collision avoidance system that they have on aircraft and that right. they have on some of yeah, these. Yeah, it's like mandated in all commercial. Like, If this you know, is like an air taxi type service, so I'm not sure, but I'm guessing it or a charter service, it probably, and, and I'm not an expert on this. Obviously, my dispatch experience was all fixed wing and yeah. commercial, yeah. Uh, a limited amount of um, charter, which was uh, FAR Part 135. Mm-hmm. So I'd be curious to know what this particular operation falls under. Yeah, I know one and of the articles, it, it mentioned that, but I, I, it is and, and I don't know how different it is from from. You know, well, uh, it's it's obviously rotating to under one of the fires that doesn't require this equipment, right? Because, or else it wouldn't be. And, right. and I was actually flying. shocked to hear that it didn't have. I, that's I something too. I didn't know. Well, I thought they were required, especially to have on it. such a high end helicopter, right? Right. You, you would think and flying like high profile people as well. You know, like well, but the other thing too, the amount of traffic that's down there. There, first off, there's a ton of terrain. Yeah, and um, um. And, and there's a couple of things I want to mention. First, have you, have either one of you guys been to Calabasas? No, I don't think so. So I've been to Calabasas a couple of times. And one time I went actually was really cool because I went there because this was the only theater in the United States at this time that had Dolby Atmos. And <laughs> hold on, I'm, this, yeah. this is all related. No, I, know, I know, But if you're not familiar with Dolby Atmos, oh, no. it's in a theater where you know you've got your surround sound. But yeah, Dolby yeah. Atmos actually creates sound above you as yeah. well, so it gives so you an even it's, more. It's, it's a movie buff thing right. that you would exactly you know, like. Movies. Well, this particular theater was the only theater in the U.S. that had Dolby Atmos at the time. And Red Tails was playing. Nice. And so I, this is when I worked for Sky West. I had to do my annual jump seating. So I yeah. jump seated in L.A. and then rented a car and drove to Calabasas and saw Red Tails there nice. at that theater. But Calabasas, it's it's hilly terrain. Well, Lots of... You, yeah, look, at, you, saw you look at all the maps but, and the photos. And yeah, right. there's, and there's all kinds of terrain. Calabasas and Agora Hills. And it's all along the, the... I think it's the 101 in California. But on the other side of that, yeah. of the Santa Monica Mountains, is Malibu. So there's this big mountain range. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Kobe was coming from his home in... Uh, or Well, he was, he was... He lived in Orange County, right? And no, then I, I don't know that. But I, I, I don't know. I, don't I, know that I can't remember what airport he flew out of. Do you guys remember? Mm-mm, I don't. But, I mean, it's just crazy that that happened in Calabasas and all this uh, all this mountainous terrain yeah. um, well, out there. It goes back to the 
you know, collision terrain, collision yeah, avoidance, well. and 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 the the point I I want to make real quick, and uh-huh. then you guys can chime in is fine is is it's going back to what I was saying about the NTSB you know press conferences and and what they had you know requested the FAA to mandate mm-hmm. in the past from past accidents that that looked similar to what was going on in this incident is it's like why not you know just give the pilot every piece of technology and and every opportunity to right. help avoid an accident like exactly this. and and right. and that, and I realize there's there's lots of money involved and I really I mm-hmm. mean but when you're talking about a helicopter like that, that I don't know what an S seventy six goes for, but it's you know it's probably ten fifteen million dollars. Right. But you or, can't put you know. a price tag on people's lives. Well, and, well, and, yeah. and that that's the debate, right? Is, is it's like it's you a, know putting a you know million dollar piece of equipment on there is is that worth it over the life of yeah, that helicopter? And that's right. why I said that. Like that's where my I was clueless. I assumed that these helicopters had that. Like yeah. I. Because right. there just is because I it, dealt the with so many out fixed there, wing, and a lot like, of them do over the years. Like I didn't know they didn't, and you know it's in, it's an interesting debate, and you keep talking about that because me, there was also uh, an accident in Hawaii. Well, Kauai. That's, that's right. right. That's um, right. And the uh, representative there from the state of Hawaii is like, he's basically saying like, "Hey, FAA, you need to take this shit seriously with the terrain we have and the weather that comes in and out." Like accidents have happened over the years and it's interesting because you know my girlfriend and i just did one of those helicopter mm-hmm. tours back in october well, the same mm-hmm. company wasn't it and it actually wasn't the same oh company, it wasn't i thought but, it was. okay but it's like they all take off in groups and follow each other and yeah. there's mm-hmm. a, a thing and we were actually going into one of the canyons because they kind of just take you in and around the canyons and they all follow the same pattern when yeah. we started to go in Clouds literally blew in, and he radioed that it like too too cloudy mm-hmm. yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. and we didn't go in that canyon, you know. So like, yeah. But you you the, anyway. What I was gonna say in the it's on ramp check report, but there's a representative there that's saying like these accidents have happened over the years, mm-hmm. and he doesn't feel like the FAA is mandating or doing anything to like make this more mm-hmm. more safe. For mm-hmm. tourists, because it's a huge, oh, it's a huge, huge market for tourism yeah. there. Because yeah. like, well, and so I mean, you know, we go down to Las Vegas a lot, and we cover Red Flag and that, and mm-hmm. there's always tour helicopters flying all over Vegas the all the time. Yep, all the time. So you know, maybe it is. And it's time not just, to just one; it's several. Oh yeah. Maybe it is time to just throw these well, systems. Well, the, the unfortunate thing is, is as important as the FAA is. Um, the unfortunate reality of it is that they usually don't mandate something like this until there's enough deaths right. yeah. and well, enough things happening. And it's the and, same and thing with adding a thing. stoplight at a, at a at an intersection. You know, yeah. they won't do it until there's so many accidents and so many yeah. deaths. Yeah. But how, however tragic this accident and other accidents are, I was just going to say that you know, good things can eventually come out of these things like and maybe finally this regulation and the other thing too i wanted to bring up about california why it totally surprised me that they didn't have um you know a tcas type system on the air on the on the helicopter yeah. is you know i've jump seated up and down the california coast um you know sitting in the jump seat in the cockpit yeah and 
as an observer or as a jump seater, one mm -hmm. of your jobs is to keep an eye on, keep an eye out the windows for traffic because the pilots, you know, they're they're using whatever that sweep is that they're trained, you know, yeah. to look at their instruments out the window and then, you know, whatever other cluster of instruments that they need to look at. But man, I'll tell you what, that TCAS is going crazy. Yeah. Um, whether it's it's terrain or other traffic, and you know, in in a uh, in a CRJ or an EMB um, one twenty Brasilia, yeah, um, and I'm sure it's very similar with other aircraft, but that's just what I've jump seated in, so I can yeah. attest to that. You know, they have a dial where they can adjust the range and it, so, of the TCAS. So is it since you have experience being in the cockpit like that? It's flight deck. Flight deck, cockpit, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Whatever. But anyway. And the flight deck of the aircraft. The, the, That's right. The flight pit. No. So so anyway. The cock deck? No, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a really bad like women's club in Vegas. <laughs> God, yes. so, okay, so anyway, going back on this. Um, so is it is it a different system for terrain versus aircraft avoidance? Collision so avoidance? Typically, is it the same? Because I don't um, know that. Well, the TCAS is actually traffic collision and avoidance right, system. Right. So but, that's geared directly towards traffic. Right. Is there a different that display. one? Is there a different radar that monitors for terrain so winds? from what i know from my observation again i'm not a pilot so i don't know but um you will hear an audible yeah terrain terrain yeah yeah we, and and, we've all seen videos right yeah and they'll yeah. and they'll or actually test that on the ground before. and so i think that you know they've got that oh on wait there. wait wait I, I got a point on a cockpit flight deck it's called the cockpit voice recorder right? it's not called the flight deck voice recorder so I think I was oh, right on that. You know what? You might be onto something, brother. <laughs> I think so. the flight deck is like the the you know twenty first century politically correct okay. way to so say. So it's not the cock deck. deck voice recorder. <laughs> no. Okay, I just want to make sure we're. No, right that's here. in Vegas. No, that's. <laughs> just kidding. So, Check out that thunder from down so, under. So anyway, it's it's not called um, the the right the FVR. Cockpit. It's called right. the CVR. Okay, very good. So, so anyway, I think we ended so that, that debate right there. That settles that debate. Yeah, go back to episode what four uh, of the podcast. But um, so it's the traffic collision and avoidance system. Yeah, right. And right. that's more. That's well, obviously geared towards traffic. And that was because of accidents. Right. It, it, again, mm -hmm. going back yep. to California. Uh, yep. Down in the San Diego area, that mm -hmm. PSA 727 that collided with a Cessna. Yeah. Uh, over San Diego. To, yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, that. The one that, with the picture of the 727. Oh, that like picture is oh, one it, of the it scariest gives you chills, things I've man, ever seen. Because it, it's like you can see the wing all just yeah. beat up and, well, and just, you know. Back in the, uh, what was it, the early 80s here in Salt Lake City, there was that, uh, the Metroliner that That's had right. collided. Mid right, collision. Yep. With right over uh, right over an elementary school too. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, over Kearns, Utah. Yeah. I, I remember that, that as a kid. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, killed everybody on the Mooney and the, and the, the Metro Liner. So. Um but yeah, I mean it's it, it, but going back to that San Diego one uh -huh. with the PSA seven twenty seven you know, colliding with the, the uh the Cessna, I think it was uh -huh. one seventy two. Um 
that was one of the accidents that actually pushed the FAA to mandate TCAS on all, you know, commercial aircraft. And so it's, uh, unfortunately, I mean, you know, hopefully something good will come out of this accident Mm -hmm. um, as far as making things safer for everybody in the future. It's at a cost, obviously, but... I would think that any family, surviving family members like Kobe's family, his wife, you know, friends, I mean, Mm -hmm. anybody in the NBA and and other accidents, you know, around the world, I'm sure that everybody would have pitched in to pay a million bucks or two million or whatever it is to put these systems on board just to make it safer. The the, the whole goal is to reduce the risk there's right. always a risk when you fly right always there's, doesn't matter what what it is whether it's a mechanical always a risk terrain, even when you're driving mm-hmm. yeah even when there's just always a risk yeah. and i mean you hear about things and it doesn't deter me from flying on a helicopter still like yeah. but it definitely makes you think like if you had lost a loved one I'm sure you're left wondering why yeah. and how could it be safer so no one else has to go through what right. I went through. And, yeah, yeah. Um, so so I part, hope that something of... like that's on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, speaking of lessons learned from accidents, maybe we can transition into our next story. Sure. Yeah, um, we need to because yeah. we're already <laughs> half hour in and so we've only we covered spend, two helicopter crashes. If we spend 30 <laughs> minutes on each subject, it's going to be a long-ass podcast. You might as well just... Uh, strap in and uh <laughs> and uh enjoy hey yeah. grab some corn and uh, enjoy the <laughs> show back grab some corn it's, it's movie time um but uh so the 737 max right and we'll right. we'll run down some of these other uh <laughs> aircraft stop that again <laughs> but um but i think i think it's important to talk about that while we're on this subject um, or are we just talking about helicopters? We're on lessons learned. <laughs> well, from, yeah. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, Keep and going. and of course, you know, the media and sensationalizing. So um, we found, and we thought this was up on Ramp Check Report uh, by the time you recorded this, but by the time you listen, it should be up on rampcheckreport.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally... A thorough, comprehensive, and fair article I agree. about the 737 Max. And and the um, ironic thing, and the funny thing about it is, is it's the New York Times, which I don't uh-huh. particularly <laughs> right. You know, I don't. Let, let's put it this way: there are a lot of New York Times articles, and I'm like, eh, maybe right. bias, maybe this or that. But this one um, actually, you know, hits it out of the park by. Uh, Oh my gosh! How do you say his last name? I was just going to say William William uh, Langewish. There you go, Langewish. Okay, sorry, William, if you're listening. I know. Um, God, I would love to get him on the podcast and talk to him about this. He like hit this out of the park, Langewish. And you know, it it really goes into. I mean, obviously, I'll let you guys talk about it, but but it really goes into. um, You know, you you can't blame one source right on the on this particular issue now some accidents you can if there was a pie chart (laughs) outlining the blame of what's happened i think um 
there would be a certain sliver, obviously, with Boeing themselves. Yeah, yeah cause um, they're, but they're that's def- not the largest contributor. To this no, whole thing. no, no. And 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 the, the the funny thing is about that, and and I'll just hit on this real quick before we kind of dive deeper into this article. But um, the reality of what Boeing has done and what they were doing, what they were trying to do, and in a lot of when you look at it as a whole you know all around it what's really happening is most aircraft when they get certified they go into service and then something pops up that needs to be fixed that's what right. airworthiness directives are it happens with every manufacturer right every aircraft type right okay and so What's happening with the current situation with the Max, since it's still not, you know, ungrounded, it's still grounded, they're still working on getting it recertified, um, is um, they're finding the little bits and pieces that would have gotten fixed over the years of service as these issues popped up. Right. And right, and so even if there weren't accidents, they still would have discovered. That. Yeah, they yes. still would have discovered, you know, this or that or a software thing or this. And and you know, with aircraft becoming more and more automated, um, um, you know, you're going to to find issues like this. But the the, the whole really the the crux of the article, which is cool that we'll talk about, is is it really goes into the whole fact that. Those crashes should not have happened just because of whatever faults were in the max. Well, exactly. And the thing is, it, you know, let me let me read this quote because sure, we're talking ahead, about yeah. this right here. So this is quoting uh, William <laughs> Languish. We'll, we'll just, just call him Bill L. Let's call him Bill L. <laughs> Bill L. Sounds um, like a Superman. <laughs> so this is near the um, this is near the end of the article where he's basically you know he's he's presenting all of his facts, kind of summaring, summarizing, and he's, he's summarizing what happened. So this is his opinion. Uh, this is a quote. If I excuse me, if I were in such Jesus, <laughs> what happened here? Okay, um, take four. Who in a position of authority will say to the public that the airplane is safe? If I were in, I would, if I were in such a position, Mm -hmm. what we had this, I think this is the most powerful sentence in the entire article. Mm -hmm. What we had in the two downed airplanes was a textbook failure of airmanship. There you go. Period. In broad daylights, these pilots couldn't decipher a variant of a simple runaway trim, and they ended up flying too fast at low altitude, neglecting to throttle back and leading their passengers over an aerodynamic edge into oblivion. So it hits it right on. When you look at all of the facts and when right. you look at everything that went on mm-hmm. in these two accidents and everything that has been revealed, you know, on Boeing's end and, and the MAX, it like that that hits the nail on the head right. like it when you look when you have an unbiased look because i'm telling you there are some some so many even aviation journalists mm-hmm. that actually piss me off when i read right what they're writing about the max and what they're writing about boeing mm-hmm. and it's so blatantly unfair the way that they right. are well and it's wrong <laughs> putting unfair. the blame unfair <laughs> It is. What do we have? 
Well, and and going back to the airmanship thing, because again, like I said, looking at a pie chart of the responsibility of this whole mm-hmm. 737 MAX mess right. is, yes, Boeing has some responsibility. Should they have told the customers about the MCAS? Yes. But it wasn't a blatant thing to get the aircraft certified. It says in this article and and from credible sources in Boeing that this was such a small system they couldn't even imagine something like yeah. this happening. Well, so they didn't even they, well, they and, didn't right. and the system right. only activates in such a small part of the flight envelope. Right. And so like there has to be certain configurations so of the aircraft met. or have well that, so, that's what was so great about this article was like it had kind of been taking everything that we've been talking about for months on this podcast and it was kind of all put into one thing as far as one thing meaning one article that stating it wasn't just one thing it wasn't just boeing it wasn't just it was like a a, a an accumulation of yeah. failures, right. you know what I mean? And yeah. that's why this article was good and it was right was it, on. Because I read it and it, it was long, but I was right. like, finally, someone who gets it yeah, actually wrote a good article because it he, didn't he, place he, blame on one thing. He, uh-uh. he looked at it from the exactly. perspective of what really happened. Right. Let's not get into politics and bling Boeing and say Boeing is greedy and they were just trying right. to pump the pockets of their you know, shareholders and, and whatever. I mean, because that's not what happened right. here. Not at all. This was, the, the, the MCAS system is, I mean, yeah, that's what actually brought the plane down well, here, here, here's as, the, far as, the air, as far as the airmanship goes. Right, right. But, but let me just finish this thought really quick. So, yes, there's a sliver of that pie chart of Boeing's responsibility. They, right. they should right. have told people about this system. Right. And there should be something how to handle it, you know. But um, but then when you look at the rest of the pie chart, um, I think uh, training is a huge issue. Uh, in this article, uh, he talks about these um, these pilot mills. Yeah, like that, like that l- let's just call has. out Lion Air. Yeah, that they have, and it. It basically it takes them from zero hours, yeah, um, to the right seat of a Boeing seven thirty seven, right. And the largest airplane they flew, what was it that he said? It was a, um, I don't. It was it was a single engine aircraft. Oh guy, yeah yeah yeah. It, it's and I, I wish I had that in front yeah, of me I don't right now. Exactly but the type either. He had like an alarmingly no num- low number of hours. Yeah, and it was in a single engine piston-driven aircraft. Yeah, I know. And he's in the right seat of a Boeing 737? Well, you remember in the article, yeah. too, they were talking about any of the flight simulator training. He was saying that they, oh, they actually... Cram. They would cram these pilots into the actual cockpit Like, of, like 10 pilots yeah, in there. Yeah, and they'd have, you know, one right-seater, one left-seater, and they would all go through this whatever procedure they were doing, you know, in the simulator, and they would all get checked off right. that they did it. The, and, and and just to meet the minimum requirement. Exactly. And that was another thing, too. He said one thing that, that he observed, because he observed one of these sessions. Right. Um, uh, I, 
was it? I think it was him that actually observed it. Um, it's been a minute since I've read the story. Yeah. By the way, it's a long read. It is a long read, but, but read it's the worth, whole thing. It's worth it, every it's single definitely. Yeah, I wish every passenger in the world could read this. Yeah. Because that would really get rid of the stigma of right. the 737 Max. But he said that there was a situation where they were holding and holding and holding, going through a scenario in the simulator, and none of the pilots ever diverted. Right. And he asked one of the pilots why he didn't divert, and he said, because it's not on the checklist. <laughs> so that is right there. Oh that God. shows you that there is not airmanship right. being taught in these in these pilot mills, yep. you know, in, in other countries. Awareness. Well, and the thing that's crazy is, is just totally. in the small amount of flight training that I've received, mm-hmm. you know, in small single-engine mm-hmm. aircraft, one of the very first things that my flight instructor told me is, whenever you go up, always be on the lookout for somewhere if you have some kind of failure and mm-hmm. you need to set the aircraft down as quickly as possible... Always be on the lookout for for you know for somewhere to land. Mm-hmm. All, like you know, I mean, enjoy yourself, enjoy the flight. You know, pay attention to the instruments, pay attention to the flying. You know, everything. But like that was one of the very first things that that I remember. You know, going through mm-hmm. the small amount of flight training, and so it's like, how are these you know commercial flight training centers like Lion Air how do they not instill that in their pilots right away why wouldn't a divert point right be like on the top of their mind if there's something they're just holding and holding but it's not on their checklist to divert. that's what's interesting about this too is like you know of course everything that's been going on with the max what are these airlines going to do when there's an accident what's the first thing they're going to do yeah they're going to blame Oh, yeah. Someone else other than their own training, anything that has to do with them, they want to place the blame on something else. Mm-hmm. When you read these the, this article and you read about the Lion Air crash, honestly, and this is no disrespect because I know the pilot's dead, but it kind of sounded like the pilot didn't know what the fuck was going on. Yeah. Well, He's calling for different altitudes and clearing. Neither the first officer. And it, just, and, and it even says that the air traffic controller... It says in there that the air traffic controller was confused by his request. Right. Exactly. You know, right. but he was giving him what he wanted right. because he was like, he's asking for this yeah, and I can give pilot, it to him. So, yeah. For him, it said that the air traffic controller was just following his protocols as mm-hmm. to what was being asked of him, even though he thought it was weird. He was still like, because he assumed that the pilot knew what he was doing. Right. You know right. It's what not I mean? the air traffic controls. Right. But know, so but this, this circles again, this circles back to airmanship because in the uh, Ethiopian accident, um, these pilots were so caught up on troubleshooting. They forgot to throttle back from takeoff right. thrust. Mm-hmm. Right. So they oversped well, they the aircraft. They, were, they thought they were stalling. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, it says in the article yeah. that they didn't even think right. to try and throttle right. back. Right. And if you fly an aircraft too fast for what it's being designed to do, it's going to lose that aerodynamic lift as well yeah. with all the other conditions that were met. But but they they turned off. I can't remember if it was turning off or turning on the autopilot. So they were having the issues. Right. They they Because they, MCAS does not activate an autopilot. Right. So they disengaged the autopilot. And it smoothed out. Yeah. It was just fine. 
Then they turn it on again. I know. And it starts doing that thing, and then they go down. Yeah. It's like, so airmanship, I think, is probably one of the next bigger ones. Mm -hmm. You know, and that goes back to the training that's provided. The the training that's provided in the United States, and I'm I'm assuming Europe and some of these other higher developed countries that Mm -hmm. are more regulated, Mm -hmm. they teach airmanship Mm -hmm. and situational awareness. Mm -hmm. You cannot troubleshoot an airplane because you're going to lose situational awareness. One thing I learned, that, or one thing when I was in dispatch, is you would you would like have a pilot call you um, over radio who's having a maintenance issue, or he'll contact you on um, the uh, A cars, mm-hmm. uh, and they'll want to talk to maintenance control. And we would hear maintenance control say, "We are not allowed to troubleshoot while you're in the air." Right. So if you're having a problem. You follow the checklist, Checklist. you get on the ground. Mm-hmm. You do not troubleshoot. Because if you're so focused on the problem, yeah. you forget to fly the airplane. Fly the airplane. I was going to say that. I remember that in my little bit of flight training is right. fly the airplane. Exactly. If something's going on, yeah. fly the airplane. Exactly. First. Yeah, wh- wh- like, what do they right. say? Aviate first? Right. Something like aviate. that. Yeah. I mean, we're obviously, all of us have a limited amount of mm-hmm. actual pilot time, PIC right. time. But yeah. like... Yeah, just fly the airplane, and I feel terrible for talking about these guys, but, you know, it's just... Well, it, it, the, it has then, to happen for to bring awareness, right. you know, just like we were talking about with the helicopters. Right. And, and if you... happen, and awareness happens. And then I think that um, uh, another thing, as far as it's, it's crew-related, but not airmanship-related, is... For the Lion Air, that previous flight where they were having so the which was it the Lion Air that had the uh, jump seater that was like oh mm-hmm. just disconnect yeah it was it was, it was the flight yeah. before it was the flight before yep and the crew rode up the AOA sensor again mm-hmm. and maintenance claimed that they replaced it mm-hmm. and all they wrote is you know replaced checked good. Well, there's no way they checked that because they didn't test fly the damn airplane. Right. And the crew, the previous crew that had that issue where they had the jump seater and he's like, well, here, just do the the uh, the trim disconnect. Right. Um, they didn't report any of that other stuff that right. happened. All they put in there was right. the AOA sensor was bad. Right. They didn't. So there was a chain of events. And again, I guess that could circle back to airmanship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Communication. but maintenance, I think was a huge, yeah. huge issue of that it too. Really so was. it's not so, just one person. The collection of failures. Yeah, yeah. So, so if we, if we look at everything to summarize exactly what, you know, what's going on with the max and everything, the, the, the first thing, you know, I'll mention is, is, you know, um, Boeing. Okay. they, the whole reason why they they um, they built the Max was because they wanted you know to have an aircraft out there efficient, like you know competing mm-hmm. with Airbus and their their uh, NEO A320s. Right. And and some people are like, oh, Boeing rushed this, and it's not a stable design, and it's that that is not when when you look at the facts, you look at the aircraft, the aircraft is is just fine. Okay. Absolutely. It, the aircraft can fly without MCAS. Right. Okay. I, the whole reason why. Let me finish this. The whole reason why. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Shut the hell up. The whole reason why MCAS was put on the 737 Max is 
to have it feel like in certain flight envelopes mm-hmm. uh, of the flight envelope feel like a 737NG which which was the right. generation right before the Max right. came out because during flight training or testing um, the the flight test pilots they they realize that you know in certain parts of the flight envelope it felt different than an mm-hmm. NG and so instead of you know, trying to go back to the drawing board to, you know, do whatever mechanically, they decided, well, let's throw some software right. on there, which every aircraft that's out now has software. So it is not stupid right. or ridiculous or Boeing's fault that they threw software on their aircraft. Everybody, Airbus probably has more freaking automated software control on their aircraft. Well, Airbus was the first to do it because yeah. they wanted to make it simple it, exactly. for somebody they, to fly it. They, they wanted the aircraft to be more automated and take some of the control away from the pilots. Where well, Boeing is more like, hey, we want the pilots to have more control. Right. And so they they tried to to minimize the amount of mm-hmm. of software control that it has. But right. but you know, going back to the Mac, so And neither approach is wrong by Yeah, me. yeah. I yeah. mean it's 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 just a, a difference in philosophy. Right. Competition. Yeah, ex- exactly. So so the 737 Max, the, you know, Boeing put the AMCAS on there. Okay, so the the parts, in, in my opinion, I think you guys would agree, were, were Boeing, you know, messed up in this whole thing, is is they didn't um, put the AMCAS knowledge in, in, in the flight manual and right. the checklists. Checklist, check checklists. 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 In the checklists. Yeah, they... they um, in the QRH... For yes. those of you who are pilots. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so it was, you know, it was a hidden system. Nobody really knew about it. The other thing that I think Boeing did wrong here is is um, they had the system operate off of one right. angle of attack sensor. Right. And this is where it, it's crazy to think that Boeing wouldn't have tied it to both AOA sensors. Mm-hmm. It's just because of redundancy, like in accidents over... You know the history of aviation it's Mm -hmm. you know you you look at that's why most you know commercial airliners have multiple hydraulic systems that's why they have multiple computers that it's all redundancy and so when you tie something as important as like an mcas system that is only supposed to activate during you know part of just barely right part of the whole flight envelope Mm -hmm. um when that system fails it's going to do what it was designed to do and it obviously proved that it, it, it wasn't good for it to activate mm-hmm. when it did but see the MCAS system thought that it was in that flat envelope right to activate and so so i think that's the issue um with boeing um i think by now boeing's realizing that pilots should have a little bit of separate training which you know because they right. they they sold the aircraft as, hey, an NG pilot can jump into this thing. There's no separate Well, yeah, because otherwise it would, had, it would have had to have a completely different certificate. Right, exactly. And and, and Boeing was trying to avoid that, right. to obviously to save money and to make it easier for the airlines. But see, to me, that's as much Boeing's fault as it is the airlines. I agree. Because the airlines are barking at Boeing saying, mm-hmm. hey... Airbus has this new NEO that we're not going to have to right. retrain everybody. So what do you got? And and they're like, okay, well, we'll have the same. Right. So the pressure that the airlines put on, 
you know, the manufacturers is also at fault here. Right, exactly. Well, and and, and another thing, too, is um, the uh, Boeing, they took a big black eye on this. Yeah, they did. Because... And I know where you're going with this, and right. I'm glad, because, because this has been um, mentioned. How could they immediately come out and blame it on the airline? Right. The, the airline and the airline pilots, because... <clears throat> Lion Air just made this huge multi-billion dollar purchase oh, yeah. of the Maxes. And so one of these goes down and Boeing says, oh, well, it's their fault. So it's a it's a balancing Yeah, then they act. lose all the business. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it really, that <clears throat> aspect really isn't fair mm-hmm. on Boeing or any manufacturer. Right. It's not. You know, because, yeah, I mean, you, you can't, you know, put all this blame on your customer and expect right. to, like you know keep their business but at the same time i mean it's like really like what was boeing supposed to do right yeah exactly what could they do so um so yeah that's that's kind of a tough position to be in i almost Um, think there needs to be some kind of of like not like a government law or an international law but i think there needs to be an agreement between manufacturers and customers that um, you know, and, and I don't even know how it would work out, but where when something like this happens and there's something clearly wrong with the way that maybe a customer operated their mm-hmm. equipment, that the customer can't just, you know, you know, go against the manufacturer and then be like, okay, well, we're going to cancel all your orders. If, like, I think, or maybe what it needs to be is the manufacturers need to band together and they need to say, okay, well, if if the evidence is, is clearly showing that this operator mm-hmm. and you need to put that out and say, hey, you know, this is 99% what this operator did to this aircraft, which mm-hmm. caused the accident. Right. The manufacturers should probably band together and be like, okay, well, if that's the case and they cancel your order, I'm not going to let them buy any airplanes for me either. Right. So that then that would force the customer to own up to what they did wrong right and it would force them to actually be honest about everything mm-hmm. instead of just trying to blame the manufacturer so and and I don't know how that would work but I've never heard anybody talk about something like that and right. I think I think it would be wise for Boeing you know Airbus mm-hmm. well, Lockheed Martin like idea. another any of them to, to do something like another that. thing that was brought up in this article was um, uh, one of the airlines, and I'm pretty sure it was Lion Air, uh, might have been both, but neither of them have released the cockpit voice recorders. Yeah. And uh, the recordings. That's crazy. So it's like, did they find something that's implicating them? And which right. one was it that um, when they mm-hmm. recovered the voice recorder, and uh, maybe it was even the flight data recorder as well, they just like immediately transported them to Toulouse, France. And they're not giving any of that information to the FAA or Boeing. Yeah, yeah, w- really? which, which yeah, is crazy because that that's that's crazy because who's based <laughs> in Toulouse, France? Yeah, right. Airbus, mm. Boeing's biggest competitor, right? So and, you, and, you never know if there's something political there. Which well, is and nuts. Airbus being implicated in a bribery probe. Yeah, with, I uh, Air Asia. I mean, we won't even go into that. Yeah, that's. But yeah. Um, <laughs> good God. But but <laughs> enough of. Uh, I mean. 
really enough of talking about the Max. You really need to read this yeah, article. Yeah, read this article. It is very, um, very... Very, very well written. And I would love to get the author of this article on yeah, a podcast at some point. I think that would be really cool to talk on. to him. But, so, as an update on the 737 Max, um, uh, FAA administrator or administration Steve Dixon said that international air safety regulators are close to agreeing on the final fixes needed before the Boeing 737 MAX returns to service. Right. So, right. Um, now in the article it says that uh, Boeing found a new software problem, but it's related to the alert function on the trim system. So, right. again, like you had mentioned before, they're going over this with a fine-tooth comb, and they're oh, yeah. finding every possible fault they can. Right, right. To when, get the, when this aircraft is recertified... It's, it's going to be the safest commercial airliner in yep, history. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but Boeing is still expecting to see the Max return um, in mid 2020. Yeah. Um, I know a bunch of airlines that operate the Max had canceled flights through April, May, and June. Yeah, right. And uh, let's just uh, let's just hope that that gets yeah. going soon. So, anything else we want to mention about the Max? Uh. Nope, I nope. I don't think so. I'm sure we'll um, talk think, about it again. Holy yeah, shit, soon. that's two stories and we're an hour into the yeah, podcast. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> we'll, we'll, Thanks we'll, for hanging with we'll us. We'll kind of do a lightning round with some of the other stuff. <laughs> right? But, yeah. but let, let's, There's so much to talk about. There, there is. So before we start talking about some good, happy things, uh-huh. <laughs> let's just finish up with some of these these rough start to 2020 of some accidents. Right. Obviously, um, we need to talk about another 737. Mm-hmm. Um, that Ukrainian... Uh, 737, I believe is an 800. Right. Um, that quote unquote went down. Yeah. Over yeah. Iran, and then all these videos. Oh yeah. Started it, to it, surface. It showed oh, the surface yeah. air missile hitting it. It did. So yes, of, of course. That's I mean, terrible. I mean, when you fly on an aircraft, the last thing you expect. Yeah. Is to be shot down. And, and then. When you're and unfortunately, in an it's happened more than once yep. in these oh, war zones. Geez, unfortunately, it's terrible. It has happened. But, feel so um, bad for but yeah, people. so that U- Ukrainian 737 was shot down by an Iranian surface-to-air right. missile system. And they finally fessed up to it. Yeah. At first, Iran was, of course, doing their normal thing, where you know. No, there's no way that, and then all the evidence came out. Well, but then they also said that they're not going to share any information about it with the FAA or Boeing. Right, right. So anyway, it killed everybody on board. It's, I mean, unless you've been under a rock the past month, like, you know about that story. Everybody does. We're in Utah, not Iraq. A rock. Oh, not not Iraq, (laughs) which was right next door. Wait, it has to be your bull. (laughs) Your rock. Build model airplane, he says. (laughs) But but, yeah, that one was sad. Yeah. So so anyway, obviously that that's rough. And and just the other day over the weekend, there was an Airbus A three twenty that had to divert and make an emergency landing in Syria, right? Because it was it was in an active war zone yeah. and and the Syrian military was engaging so-called um, I, I, uh, Israeli F-16s that were engaging the Syrian military and you know um, of course Israel you know is always over there attacking the Iranian Syrian proxy forces right, yeah. that are over mm-hmm. there and so I mean that that's a mess. I mean, I don't know how these people get on these airliners in in that area Dude, of the world. It's scary. It's just right too dangerous, now. but it really is. but you know, and then of course, um which is kind of ironic over in Ukraine, 
years ago, there was that triple seven that was shot down by the uh, by a, a Russian, you know, rebel group mm-hmm. that yeah. that you know, and that killed everybody. Well, wasn't there uh, and, back in the eighties? It was a Korean airline seven forty seven that was shot down as well. Was yeah. it Korean? Well, so is that the one that they never found out for sure if it was? Because wasn't there one that blew up? Well, that was, that was TWA 800 off the coast of New York. That was 800 off the coast of New York. But um, the one that I do also know is is the United States has even right. accidentally shot down an airliner. And I'm Back thinking in, that was the Korean. No, 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 no. It wasn't because it was an Iranian Airlines A300. Oh, that's right. Oh, and okay. um, it, was, it was flying from an airport where active Iranian military jets have flown out of many times and mm-hmm. and it was flying towards um, this uh, uh, US Navy ship you know out you know off the coast of Iran and uh, they engaged it shot down killed her but they thought it was an F14 oh that's from the right. Iranian oh, Air really? Force when was this in the 80s yeah this oh, was in the okay. 80s and they accidentally shot it down killed everybody on board and yep. I mean, so just, you know, these active hot war zones, man, it's right. just, it's really dangerous. Yeah, I probably wouldn't so, be flying anywhere in the Middle East right that now. That Korean especially. Airlines 747, it yeah. was going from New York to Seoul. Oh, New that, York City that was when Seoul. Russia shot it down. It was a uh, Russian that, SU-15. That's right. That shot it down, and, I you do know, the Soviet reading. Union denied knowledge of the incident, but later admitted shooting it down, claiming it was on, claiming that the... 747 passenger plane was on a spy mission. Yeah. And so they never really said that it was a mistake. Right. But anyway, whatever. So, yeah. So, So, the Korean Airlines. So, that's, you know, that's really sad. And, and, I mean, what, you know, what can you say about that other than it's just, man. Right. (laughs) Shitty situation. Yeah. Yeah. It it was. So, okay. So, we got those two. What? So, we lost uh, C-130. Yeah. Fighting those horrible fires in Australia. It was a Colson C-130. And there's actual video out now where you... Where you see the aircraft making its its, it's final um, dump, right? Yeah, it's past. It's whatever. Run, yeah. yeah, and uh, and then it flies. It it the video looks like it flies directly into some dense smoke. Yeah, but you can't tell in the angle if they may have been behind the smoke or they. Right. But anyway, it's um, unfortunately that accident looks like it was a controlled flight yeah. into terrain. They yeah. lost you know, visual of the ground and mm-hmm. flew right into the ground full speed. And that's probably going to turn out that, you know, they they flew into that really, really thick smoke. Yeah. Yep. And just lost where they were. Just yeah. Killed you know, another people. thing, too, that I've always thought about, because you see these videos of, you know, the C-130s and the... Um, mm-hmm. The, uh, the DC-10s and the Evergreen 747s, it's super tankers dropping these massive amounts of flame retardant mm-hmm. and um or is it flame retardant wait <laughs> I, re- never mind <laughs> um but can you imagine just handling the aircraft after you dump that massive amount of weight oh yeah you know you've got to be expecting that and you just wonder if that affects oh can it, affect the center def- of gravity definitely you know the flight characteristics so you think that maybe something like that could have come into play but, yeah um, i'm sure i mean we'll, i'm sure we'll right. get a definitive answer on that one but yep. when you look at that video and then you look at you know the photos of the crash scene i mean oh it's it, 
they, yeah they like they hit that ground really hard and crazy thing really is fast. it was pretty pretty flat terrain where they were dropping it looked flat at, yeah at, it did at the moment even though that you know they were in you know mountainous you know you area, just but, can't see because the camera yeah it, you see the c-130 dump mm-hmm. and then the camera pan and then it just pans the smoke and you don't really see and then near the end of the video right you see some of the fiery wreckage like, right yeah, but yeah. So yeah, that was we'll have to wait to see what reports we hear about that. It's um, yeah, uh, more air disasters. Oh, to talk about just so, real quick. Yeah. So one one other one was you know the air show community was was saddened when one of the Twin Tigers um, uh, team pilots crashed. He, he wasn't <laughs> flying one of the aerobatic right aircraft at the time, but. Um, and I'm so bad with reading names. Mark Nowaselski. <laughs> okay. I'm okay. so bad. But, we'll but go anyway, with that. But hey, anyway, guys, he, he, simplify your goddamn names, will you? Please. <laughs> right, because so, no one ever mispronounces Rumfalo. Right? I, I was just going to say, Rumfalo, really? I know. It's so sad. But but anyway, he, he, was, he was flying along with... Um, uh, a passenger, a little 13-year-old, Nathan Sorensen. Thank you for the easy last name. Um, but, um, Way to go, Nate. Yeah, they, they, they crashed, unfortunately, in Georgia, um, you know, just, just on a flight in, in another type of aircraft. Um, but, um, you know, I've never seen the, the Twin Tigers perform. I mm-hmm. guess they mostly, um, you know, fly in the East Coast, I would guess, because I haven't really seen them on many schedules or anything no, on the West uh-uh. Coast. They must not come out this way a lot. Yeah, but um, but anyway, Mark held from South Africa and resided uh, in Florida. Um, he's a longtime member of the U.S. Unlimited Aerobatic Team um, and half of the award-winning Twin Tigers Aerobatic Team. His full-time job was a Boeing 737 pilot for Southwest, so that's sad to hear about that. Yeah, well, and that also... <laughs> Red Bull lost their uh, oh yeah their pilot too when he was training in down in South, South America. America. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and I was trying to find that article, and we have so many on here. I can't <laughs> it's, find it's, it. It's a, yeah, it was, it was a rough start to twenty. It really was, right? and I was telling my girlfriend when that plane got shot down. I remember saying, "Well, this sucks," and she's like, "Well, obviously it sucks," and I'm like, "No, because." Here we this go. shit always hits the fan and, and it'll always be in groups and I was being kind of sarcastic yeah but it's true but damn <laughs> well if you, if you tally all these I said tally <laughs> if you add all these up <laughs> what was it like because they always come in threes was yeah. it three groups of three or two groups of three I mean it was a lot yeah it was Jeez, and then was did you guys time. hear about this uh, tow bar that snapped yeah in k- Bangkok yeah kill, killed the 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 uh, tug driver. Yeah, didn't he? I think he got pinned. He got yeah. pinned. There's a between picture the wing and the tug, and right? The wing probably route, the wing route. Pro- he probably right suffocated. Yeah, right. Because it probably crushed his chest. Oh yeah, he. Yeah, yeah. It That's, doesn't look good. Let's yeah, hope, be, be let's hope it was there, quick. Guys. Um, <laughs> so, just a word of advice from the Ramp Check podcast. You know, at the beginning, for you rampers out there, because this is kind of where it all started, kind of yeah. circling back to where we be, you know, where we came from. Yeah. Um. When you're at the beginning or the ending of your shift and your your line supervisor, your manager says, you know, gives you a checklist and go inspect the equipment, 
This is why you inspect the equipment, people. Yeah. yeah don't just yeah. don't just look at it. Oh my god, this is so boring. I'm just gonna check it yeah, off. No, no, no. Check the damn tow bars. Yeah, check yeah. There was the tow bars. Probably a crack in that tow bar. Right. It probably was. Absolutely. You know? And they have breakaway pins that can yep. get bad sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, be safe. So uh, just really quick. Uh, the Red Bull pilot. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, I was just going to mention his name because I found uh, Stephen Andelin. Yeah. A-N-D-E-L-I-N and two citizens on the ground. So yeah, training sad. down in Guatemala and uh, yeah. just crashed. So. Um, t- a couple other accidents and mm-hmm. then we'll move on okay. to um, the U.S. Air Force lost that uh, E-11 um aircraft oh that's over right in afghanistan the, uh, yes the corporate uh, equivalent to the global express yeah they, yep. they the air force hasn't released exactly how it went down or why it went down of course taliban says they shot it down which there's no evidence of that <laughs> of course yeah. they do but uh both both air so the air force said there were only two crew on board um and uh both crew were were killed um and their bodies were um were were taken by I think it was some Navy SEALs that arrived a few hours after the accident. Um, but anyway, so uh, and then they destroyed the rest of the aircraft. So you know any technology couldn't be taken off that. Right. And then because um, you was, know that had uh, that had quite a bit of oh yeah well it was it, it it's basically like a um, a flying Wi-Fi right center. I mean it, it's it's how troops would communicate mm-hmm. in really bad areas. He hooked up our stereo. He hooked up our stereo. <laughs> um, and then there was a, a, a U.S. Navy MH60 uh, helicopter crash um, in the Philippine Sea off Okinawa. Um, I think all crew members survived on that, though. Oh, Five were good. rescued. Damn. I know it was it was a crazy January. Yeah, it, it was. was it was nuts. But um, but anyway, so um, so that that pretty much kind of summarizes the the you know aviation incidents and accidents over the past month which you know are you know heartfelt condolences to family members and and you know anybody involved i mean that that's horrible whenever somebody's taken from you like that um in any kind of accident godspeed uh, yeah godspeed so um Okay, so let let let's move on to to a couple good things. Obviously, yes. Um, wow, we could, I still can't get over how much that was and oh, I how know. long those. Two I know segments. exactly. Um, <laughs> so let's let's uh, swing back to Boeing. Uh, Boeing um, had a uh, first flight of a new aircraft, the triple seven X. Did a little tease. The first day it was gonna fly, it was gonna fly. Yeah, the weather was bad the first few days of them <laughs> trying to do that, and then yes, finally they did. And, yep. and I, I gotta tell you, watching the the live feed, man, that is one beautiful aircraft, man. and it sounds amazing. It gave me chills just watching it. Yeah, and when they show a, a nose on view of that thing. Yeah, that wingspan, dude. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> it's and, so cool. And 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 a lot of you know this, but some may not. But the the triple seven X. Um, the wings were designed with the the wingtips to fold up so that the aircraft could fit that in so standard gates um, wow. and taxiways and and I didn't know that either. Wow. Oh yeah. yeah, the wingtips fold up and 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 they they you know they fold down right before departure. And the cool thing um, is each one of those wingtips that folds is like it was like twelve or fifteen feet is is how tall those wingtips are right. that fold up. 
So, I mean, it just shows you the scale of that aircraft. I mean, it's huge because when you look at the aircraft with the wingtips folded up, they just look like these tiny little slivers yeah. because of how massive the aircraft is. Um, and, uh, you know, the 777-9 uh, is what the 777-X mm-hmm. is. It's it's um, has a, a wider wingspan than the 777-300ER. Um, has a longer fuselage than the triple seven three R, yeah, three hundred ER. So I mean, it's bigger, you know, more massive, impressive, bigger engine, the most powerful uh, jet engines ever designed. I mean, they really? they set a world record during testing at over a hundred and thirty thousand pounds of thrust Good. per engine. Lord. Per engine. So and and they're they're more like rated Damn. around a hundred and ten, hundred and five thousand right. for the triple seven X, but. But um, just the fact that they can produce that much thrust, I mean, you think about that, you know, an F-35, you know, that's like 43,000 pounds of thrust, (laughs) an afterburner. So this does 135,000. dude. Well, you got to get that thing off the ground. Holy shit, that thing is huge. And, and, you know, one of the funny things that, you know, you read about this and you read some of the critics are like, Oh, folding wing ticks, all oh, you know, tips. What if those fail and what? Oh well, the gosh. aircraft is designed <laughs> to fly with the wing tips folded up. I was gonna say it probably could fly anyway. It, it, it could with um, that thrust. That's right. That's right. Um, but but the the technology. Hey. What? Oh, go ahead. I'm gonna. I want to play. Uh, the oh yeah, audio yeah, yeah. So definitely. You can hear the engines. Definitely. It's one of the sweetest sounds. The uh, the technology in those wing tips that people don't realize is is. Um, you know, Boeing and McDonnell Douglas, who was absorbed by Boeing, um, you know, mm-hmm. years and years ago, the, uh, folding wingtips for like Navy fighters, like specifically like oh. F 18 Hornet, you know, and the Super Hornet, like that technology is a tried and true technology. Well, so how many it, G's those pull? Up? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so it's, you know, it, it's, it's a good system and, and people don't have to worry about it. But yeah, what a cool. So, so here's the takeoff. Sound guys Yeah. Yeah, we're watching mm-hmm. when he throttles out. Oh yeah. The video's only a minute thirty. Here he goes. And here we go. And that sound. Yeah, we're ab geeks. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> Gotta love it. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. I thought it was funny the the um the Boeing media crew that that was doing that. You know, they they met uh, the aircraft when it because it, it flew. It went from Payne Field down to Boeing Field, uh-huh. and that's where they landed it. And uh, you know, they interviewed the the pilots. You know, after they came back and. You know, right after they came came down off the air stairs, and you know they talked to him for a minute. They didn't take a lot, and then they're like, then like, oh, well, we need to get a selfie with you guys. It was just so funny. I mean, just you know, the millennial generation. I was and, just gonna say, yeah. so, but I mean, we all do it too. But 
but it was just funny that you know they were taking selfies and it's it's just funny but my whole point is it it's cool to see people that you know um well, invested excited. And involved yeah, and, yeah. And, and excited Great about word. this because yeah but well, um, to see employees invested like that it's a lot like the um uh the spacex yeah employed not space sex yes we've SpaceX. gone over this yes <laughs> we have sex um but uh but yeah talk about talk yeah. about a group of of employees that are just vested in the yeah. success of that and that that starship it's like Wow, dude! I can't. It is we so, live in such a cool time right now. Yeah, all the shit we're seeing. Yeah, aviation. Well, and speaking of you know, SpaceX, they're working on that. That you know, their their other vehicle for NASA, the, the, crew the Falcon Nine with mm-hmm. the Crew uh-huh. Dragon, and yep. and they they had an awesome test um, in January where they actually did an in-flight abort test where they had the Crew Dragon fire its super draco engines mm-hmm. while it was still mounted to the falcon 9 rocket to demonstrate that in the event of you know something going wrong on the falcon 9 rocket during ascent that the crew dragon mm-hmm. could safely escape right the rocket and it was impressive <clears throat> and and um everything was just spot on on the test you know congratulations to spacex and nasa um, it was beautiful to watch the video of it's cool because you see the, you know the 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 super Draco engines that are mounted like internally on mm-hmm. the the Dragon crew vehicle, and then they ignite and they separate, and then the Falcon Nine booster man it just boom it just explodes and it, it's it's awesome. incredible it it was so cool to watch and there was actually a guy. Um, that uh, after the the area was was back open to, uh-huh. to anybody, he actually took his boat out and he he found the 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 crew dragon parachute door and oh. the first two parachutes that pop out to slow uh-huh. down before the main chutes are, are pulled out. So, oh wow! And he, he took spin. pictures and video of it. And, that's a nice man, little souvenir. Yeah, that's really cool. So, that's so, so awesome. But yeah, what great time for for you know to right. To love aerospace because there's so many cool things well, going and, on. And this is my not only av geek but uh, sci-fi nerd coming out. Um, <laughs> so the the SpaceX Starship, mm-hmm. um, doesn't it remind you a little bit of the, um, of, oh, I can't remember what they named it, but in Star Trek First Contact? Mm-hmm the the spaceship that he flies oh and makes, yeah 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 to do the first warp right. flight yeah yeah, yeah so the right. only <laughs> thing that would it make the does. starship cooler to me is once that thing launches if the little warp nacelles come out and then he just <laughs> disappears <laughs> warp yeah nacelles. yeah yeah <laughs> we're gonna meet the vulcans anytime now that's right, <laughs> that's right. first contact is coming anyway that's right. that's um speaking of that the new picard show is really cool. oh my god yes i, I, I haven't watched you it. haven't no. oh well we won't I have talk not about seen it, episode then. three yet have you watched oh, yeah, episode three so cool. you just it have was? to get it on the cbs yeah so do you have you just get it so you Did go you watch it all on the free week, if you've or? got an Apple TV. They only release it every Thursday, so right. you can't watch. Oh, okay. There's three episodes out already. So the first episode they actually release for free on YouTube, right? Um, which is a really good episode. You need to watch it. Yeah. But um, but CBS All Access also offers a free one week trial, right? Um, 
And so, and then I think after that, it's like six ninety nine a month. But this show is worth it. It is. It's really. I'm good. gonna. I'm I gonna to subscribe to it. It's but, really um, good. So if you if you use an Apple TV, yeah. um, you can just do it through your Apple TV, yeah. or you can go to CBS All Access on your phone and get the app or whatever. Right. Right. Um, and it's. I think it's available on most smart TVs as well. Yeah, definitely. I'll have to watch but, it. I'm coming uh, down to your house this weekend. Maybe. I'll yeah, it's really it. good. We'll, we'll watch it this weekend. Yeah. Sweet. Excellent. Um, yeah, and, and it's uh, good enough to where you know my <clears throat> wife Jessica. I I was right? like, hey babe, like I know you're not super sci-fi, but you need right? to watch these. And I, I've watched all three episodes with her. Okay, I need to see the third one I'm because really what excited. I loved you know, is when I rewatched I watch, one and two. Watching some of the previews, you see Commander Riker in one of them. Oh yeah, and he's like all, all of the big gray yeah. beard. I thought that was kind of cool. I can't wait to kind of see what the storyline and plot yeah. is. Well, and another cool thing, and this doesn't give really Space. anything away, yeah. but um, the final um, Picard's dog, <laughs> yeah. his name is number one. Yeah. Is it really? Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. pretty funny. And and one other thing I'll say, too, without it won't give anything away, but but the cool thing is, is, is they find a way to tie this series into previous movies. Oh, and that's I, cool. And I yeah. won't tell you which movies. So I, I have tell to you know, how. Right? Does he live in France? Does he go back home? Yeah, Picard? he is. Does the story take place when he's it, he living? He lives on his on vineyard. His, on his yeah. vineyard? Okay, yeah. I had yeah. to know that. Yeah, Chateau that's cool. Picard. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm just getting chills talking about it. It really is cool. It's I mean, we're, we're super aerospeed. Oh, and by beats, the way, man. By the way, and this really isn't giving away too much, but it's the first time watching this Picard series that I've ever heard the F bomb drop <laughs> yeah. in Star Trek. True. Oh, dang. It's yeah. so awesome. It's so yeah. funny. <laughs> right? I've kind of watching all the next generations. You kind of just wish sometimes that Picard would, you know, right? just drop one. <laughs> well, okay, so speaking of the F bomb in Star Trek, uh-huh. um, and I don't know if this is still in development, but. Um, Quentin Tarantino pitched a Star Trek movie. Yeah, to rated Paramount. R, right? Yeah, yeah rated yeah. R Star Trek. Yeah. So um, maybe ample nacelles coming to uh, <laughs> boobies and f bombs in Star no, Trek. I don't know if it that, fits. Does it no, fit? Do you? I, the, the, I don't I, know if I want to see a naked <laughs> Ferengi. <laughs> My what gross. big ears you have <laughs> gives a new meaning to Romulan <laughs> Ew. Ew. no I don't I, I don't think that they should they should yeah. go in that direction I don't I don't know they some, should it's yeah. fine in, with some language and stuff but I but, mean th- there was the you know the first J.J. Abrams where they they had a little bit of sex in there you know right. with with um what's his name's daughter the yeah daughter. yeah she's like changing or down it wasn't yeah. nudity but but you know i mean it was it was yeah. racy for star trek it sure was so it was, but it's this generation i guess yeah, yeah. the the next next generation right. so one more <laughs> one more thing about entertainment and space while we're kind of talking about this and then we'll get back on track so um we've got a plethora of uh information and topics here on the ramp check podcast but um <laughs> Do you guys remember that um, the series, uh, the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. um, that originally aired on Cartoon yeah. Network? It's an animated right. series, right? Animated about Star series, Wars. and the first couple of episodes are a little bit kind of corny. Yeah, you know, it's like it almost feels like kinda Saturday morning Star cartoons. Wars, yeah. But they're they're pretty. As it continues, it just gets better and better and better, and by the end of the sixth season. Um, 
you're like fully vested in all these characters and they're just amazing. I mean, yeah. Anakin is just a cool badass Jedi. Yeah. And it just it just kind of makes it Yeah. It it shows his journey even more and like how he's he's affected by the dark side even though he's good and you know how kind of how Palpatine Yeah. Spoiler alert from 30 years ago um <laughs> how palpatine is kind of behind the scenes on all this yeah, and kind of yeah, orchestrating yeah. the entire war right, and playing right. both sides obviously but um so clone wars was not renewed by cartoon network mm. after the 6th season and they didn't really complete it yeah. and so they did they did kind of an episode to kind of finalize it because it didn't get yeah, renewed yeah but on the disney plus streaming service this month mm -hmm. uh clone wars uh season seven so mm -hmm. it's actually going to conclude yeah and that's cool. and there's um there's some youtube videos out there like of the trailer and i think you can even see the trailer on disney plus mm -hmm. but this is gonna cover some really cool shit so it's actually um going to overlap with um, episode three, uh, mm -hmm. Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. So, you know, through some of these main characters that were in the Clone Wars, Ahsoka right. Tano right. being one of them, and some of the other clones, the good clones, um, mm -hmm. like like during an episode uh, of the Clone Wars in that first six seasons, mm -hmm. um, one of the clones discovers this implant that's in his head that what makes them all for follow order 66 spoiler yeah. alert yeah. um but during this season seven it's actually going to to cover from these different jedi perspectives while order 66 happens hmm. and interesting yeah it's if, cool if I you mean, follow star wars you know, at a lot, all a lot of it's really in, freaking cool you know yeah. into star wars and so, you know into the star trek and you know all the the whole aerospace you know, spaceships, right? You know, air breathing aircraft. I mean, mm -hmm. X fifteen rocket jets. You know, air uh, rocket aircraft. Yep. SR seventy one. I mean, you know, it all the XB seventy Valkyrie. It all ties in. It's it, it's all cool. Uh, which we've confirmed it now. Next month, uh, we're going to have a historian from the um, uh, National Museum of the Air Force in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, he is going to be a special guest with us on yeah. the Ramp Check podcast, and yeah, he has a lot be cool. of really cool knowledge about the XB seventy. So excited to talk to him. So back on task. I, well, we're still on task, but Sorry, um, what else did we really need to talk about that we had on the agenda today? Um, did we? When was? And I know this is bad because I'm a part of the podcast, but what was the last date we put out our last podcast? I think it was the Christmas one. So so did we even get to talk about the demonstration up at Hill Air Force Base with all those F-35s that you and I got to go to and you were able to take some pictures? I don't think we did, did we? Podcast. What was that, it called? Because that happened the, the first week of uh, of January. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was the Hill show of uh, force yeah, or the yeah the, the yeah you the know, combat the combat power exercise or something right. like that. Yeah. So I I, I, guess I feel we like didn't. we need to at least hurry and touch on Holy that. Shit. Like, yes. Um, well, that and that kind of leads us into um, the F thirty five demo yeah, team. Yeah, talk about them for a minute. Give them a shout out as well. Yeah, I, about to start their season, right? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that first so back week of January, first week in January, uh, 
Aaron and I, Tony was in St. George, and of it was course. kind of a last-minute thing. Aaron and I were able to go up and, and uh, be with some of the local press there when they did the combat power exercise at Hill Air Force Base, Utah, where they launched, what was it, 60? 52. 52 uh, F-35s. Um, they put them all out on the runway, took some awesome pictures. Big elephant walk, mm-hmm. a lot of people call walk, it. And then they all just took off one after another and after another. And it was incredible. It was so incredible. And the funny thing was, is I'm sitting there like, like I am at air shows and I'm just, Aaron got to go up in the tower obviously because he could get the better shots. Because he has the bigger lens out of all of I was, I <laughs> was on the only, ground, yeah. on the ground right. at the base of the tower, but you know, there were a couple of like uh, reporters there who weren't very interested. You could tell, plugging their ears and yeah, not even so watching funny. after like the first two and I'm there like making sure I see everyone, but Trying just not to pass out. Seeing how <laughs> many of those we could get off the ground mm-hmm. at one time. Yeah. And then uh, I know the the command the commander of uh, what was his name that you asked that took the oh, questions after. Was it? Um, kind of putting you on the spot, but uh, we need to throw. It wasn't Ebner, was it? Um, maybe some sound bites. Um, of that interview, but, uh, you know, he was just talking about, uh, the combat power exercise and, and what the purpose of it was just to kind of show that how quickly and how, how, how strong our air force is, how quickly we can get them off the air or into the air off the ground. Right. Um, and it was just impressive and it was cool to have that here in Utah. Like, Totally agree. You know, know, Hill Air Force Base is home to 78 uh, 5th generation F-35A fighters, Mm -hmm. um, home of the the only U.S. Air Force F-35A combat-coded F-35s. And they're actually deployed right now. They've been, you know, deployed off and on for the past, like, year, ever since they were, you know... They didn't even have all the F-35s right, there. Exactly. And there were a ton there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, were they were able to launch uh, 52 out of uh, 78 aircraft that uh, Hill Air Force Base um, has based there. But, um, yeah, it was uh, it was Colonel Ebner that we were... Ebner, that's yeah, what it was. That, yeah. that we were talking with. And, you know, thank Micah again. Mm-hmm. He's the... Um, <clears throat> Uh, 388, you know, public affairs mm-hmm. guru, if you remember our interview from the air show in 2018. But, um, yeah, that, that was, that was amazing. Um, you know, and, and the ground crew, you know, the crew chiefs, the right. mechanics, I mean, you imagine what they went through and we actually, um, we actually, you know, are friends with, you know, one of the, the crew chiefs at 35. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is, uh, uh, Roque Durazo and he's really awesome. Um, and he's really proud of, you know, working on the F-35s and, you know, talking with him off and on, you know, about getting ready for that exercise and, you know, and after and recovering that mm-hmm. many aircraft. And it's crazy. But, uh, you know, none, none of these aircraft and, and, and it's cool to, to hear more and more pilots give the, you know, the, the, the ground crew more credit because they wouldn't be able to do what they do without right. the ground crew. So, um, so that's really cool. Yeah. yeah and you can, Hill for that. And you can go to our Instagram page at ramp check global. And there are some photos from that day. Yep. 
yeah. when we were up there, and you can kind of check out how cool it was when they were all lining sitting, up, lining and, up yeah, out and around. Awesome and, pictures. It's amazing. Um, Aaron got some really cool ones from up in the tower. Like there, they're all text taxiing down the the taxiway and just lining up, <laughs> and it was kind of a, even a little intimidating to be honest. Like yeah, it was crazy. just seeing all that, but uh, we're grateful we ever do that. We should probably thank Micah, right? Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he did. Yeah, I, I, while you were while you were <laughs> I was looking the up the photos. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. So, and we're back. <laughs> and we're back. That happens. Well, a lot. and 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 then. <clears throat> All you know um, within that media day, we also met um, Captain Sumner, That's who right. is the the public relations guru for the new F thirty five demo That's team. Right. Yep, which is now based at Hill Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. Very Utah. cool. Yep, um, he was cool. That was actually really cool, and it was kind of a proud moment for us, for Ryan and I, because we were talking to a few people and. And Captain Sumner, before we were introduced, he turns around and goes, "Oh, you guys are the ramp check guys." Yeah. See, like and we were just works. like, "Oh!" Yeah. <laughs> it was all, you know, it was like that that moment where the angels were singing, and, right? And, Don't you love that? You know, it's just, it, it's it cool because awesome. we love this community. Well, that we we're do. A part of. And without you guys, we wouldn't be where we are today. How many followers do we have on Instagram now? Almost. 4,500, 4,600. Wow. Well, and weren't a year ago we just sure, talking about oh, maybe making a thousand? May- let me make sure I'm listening so I don't repeat something again while I'm looking something yes. up. Uh, <laughs> 4,388. Okay, so almost 4,400. And just yeah. a year ago we were like at 600 or right. something. Yeah. So. And, no, and I, I think we want to, you know, kind of call out one of our new friends of Ramp Check Global and, and our Instagram page, um, Combat Learjet. Oh, yeah. Combat you know? Learjet. He, he's... We'll give him a shout-out, not call him out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I guess a shout-out. <laughs> we'll call We're him out. We're going to call you out yeah. for following you. us. Yeah. All right. Um, Everybody guys, knows Combat Have Learjet. you guys seen this video? Which one is it? I just retweeted it. Oh, yeah. Uh, this the Falcon hawker. or this hawker. hawker. The Hawker yeah. on the, Look at on that the dirt thing. field. Sorry, you guys can't see it because it's a podcast. It's an aircraft that's being repoed on a dirt runway. And he's just bouncing up and down. Oh, like yeah. in Costa Rica or something? Yeah, you know that plane's full of drugs, right? <laughs> or it was. <laughs> yeah. if, that, if that was the, re, the repo video. The, but any, anyway, yeah, those drug awesome. runners, man. There's always photos of these aircraft to burn out and, you know, in oh, cornfields. Right. And, you know, and it's crazy. I mean, these are some of the aircraft. They're like in Gulf Streams, man. They're they're like ten million dollar G fours, and, and, and they're taking off on runways. I probably wouldn't even take well, my Jeep on. I'll yeah. tell you what. When I worked the ramp out here in Salt Lake, there were times aircraft would come in and they would have the the Mexico designation yeah. tell number, uh-huh. and these guys getting off with gold teeth and the <laughs> the wipes and the fur. And I'm looking at these guys and I'm like thinking. Dude, this is all drug money. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Now, obviously, I'm speculating, but we don't ask uh, questions right. ever, obviously. <laughs> just, but there are yeah, times I'm wanna, just like, yeah, this yeah. is... If just, they were to come, like, cut open the seats or something, right. they'd probably be some yeah. white But So, I don't even know how we got off on that fork in the road, but we were either, talking about the F-35, F-35 demo, demo team. The demo, yeah. So, um, but they, they've been practicing a lot at Hill Air Force Base, Utah, over the past, you know, month. Um, they haven't announced pilot yet. Um, 
Um, we know some little inside stuff from the pilot just by covering it. Listen la, to the la, scanner. La, 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 la. Well, we've no, been, we've been told to just kind of keep it on the lowdown. Right. So we won't so say we anything. Well, yes, we'll but, keep it on the lowdown. But, um, um, that pilot is doing an amazing job. Got mm-hmm. some really cool photos of a few times that I've covered the, the, so the demo practice. On, uh, on their Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, I just wanted to point out they've actually, uh, like three days ago, they posted their practice schedule. Right. Yeah, uh, so people that. can go up and see. And then I saw a tweet from them, I think it was yesterday, uh, saying something about some exciting news coming up next week. Yeah, so, I'm sure they're going to announce. Is that the announcement I'm of the sure pilot? I'm sure they're going to announce the, the demo pilot. Okay. Um, they are going to be going down to Davis Monthan Air Force Base for the Heritage Flight. Mm-hmm. They, they do the Heritage Flight training every right. year. Okay, cool. And yep. so they'll, they'll go down and do that. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of cool things with the F-35, uh, demo team. It'll be really mm-hmm. cool to see the new pilot and see how much of, um, you know, uh, Dojo's, um, you know, touch is left in the demo, which right. I, I mean, we've seen the practice demo already. At least I have. Right. Is the Dojo drift still in it or do we, is the, that a secret? You know, there's all, there's it's all kinds of maneuvers be, that I've yeah, seen so yeah. far. Um, so I'm sure they're perfecting an actual routine, but. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it, it it's awesome. It was it was, and by the way, speaking of awesome, it was an honor for us to be able to talk with Dojo. Yeah. Uh, when we were at the uh, air show at Nellis Air Force Base back right. in November. Yeah. Um, now that of course won't be happening until 2021. Um, but for those of you that are close to the state of Utah, mm-hmm. um. And I don't know if it's actually official on the air show, air show schedule yet, but we're expecting oh, yeah, the next is. Warriors over the it's Wasatch in June. Yep. in June of this year. Yep, it is. It's um, scheduled. And then uh, Thunderbirds will be there. And I'll tell you what, F-35 the one demo. that I want, there's two that I want to go to this year. I want to go to Wright-Patterson in Dayton, Ohio. That's probably a little bit mm-hmm. harder to get to just with our schedules and that. Yeah, right. yeah. But the one at Edwards. Uh, yeah, coming Edward, up this fall. We'll definitely go. To yeah, that we'll one. definitely be at that yeah, one. And speaking of air shows and and you know heritage flights and demo teams, um, uh, we will be down at Nellis Air Force Base uh, on Wednesday, the twelfth of February. So we're recording this on Saturday, the eighth. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so by the time you hear this, obviously, yeah. uh, it'll be just a couple of days away. But um, Catch the tail end of Red right. Flag 20-1. Yep. The tail end of Red Flag 20-1 will be down at Nellis. Hopefully it's not windy and miserable like it was last time <laughs> we were there. Um, but uh, we'll be wearing some of our ramp swag. Uh, Aaron will be the one with the big-ass camera. Um, but if you see us, come and say hi. We'll give you some stickers. Uh, we'll put you on the podcast. Uh, we want to reconnect with, uh, well, not reconnect, but connect with new members yeah. of the AvGeek community. And maybe we'll reconnect with some old friends that yeah. are down there as yeah. well. So yeah. um, so that's next Wednesday. And then, of course, um, our next podcast after this one, we'll, we'll have highlights yeah. um, from Red Flag 20, I guess Red Flag 21, if you want to call it that. 20-1. 20-1. So. And then we'll we'll figure out a, a schedule on when we'll be down to 20-2 because yep. that's in March. Right. March, yeah. so, so soon we'll, after. Because we'll be I, I know a lot of people are planning on 
going to 20-2 because the Germans are going to have their tornadoes there. Oh, wow. Which is I haven't be seen one of those unique, fly in a I've, long time. I've never seen a tornado fly. I don't think so. I have either, just like the typhoon I had. Yeah, so yeah that was, awesome that, that was really cool. And, and the other um, um, news is is the um, Israelis are supposed to have their F-35A there. Oh, F-35A's wow. flying. Nice. So that'd be cool to see that, too. Absolutely. Very so, nice. I'll bet, I'll bet the Israelis will be relieved that they can fly their F-35s somewhere without being actually shot at. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously. Um, I know. But that'll be cool. Literally, yeah. anyway. And 20-1, <laughs> it's cool, because Hill Air Force Base has, you know, the um, 419th down there. Awesome. Uh, fly, or the 420. Oh, God. I don't know. Well, the 419th anyway, is the reserve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I think, I think it's the was it that uh anyway we'll verify that but anyway hill does have um some of their f-35s they down there awesome. in there yeah man That's i'm looking awesome. forward to seeing the tornadoes so yeah, the cool. the last or i should say the only time i saw one was when i was active duty air force and we flew into a small air base mm-hmm. in germany for yeah. our our deployment yep and it was a tornado base and yeah. just seeing and hearing those things are loud well, i think i think cool. germany i don't know about italy but i i think because the uk's retired all their right tornadoes, i think so. germany's the only so operator germany might be yeah i don't know hmm. i it wish the one, uh, maybe two. i wish the um uh the swedes would bring their Saab aircraft yeah, yeah and when is that in march the 20-2 it's like the first I think it starts the second week in March and goes okay. three weeks. Yes, three weeks. Okay. So, so and we'll keep you updated on when we're going to go down. Yeah, um, definitely. And if you're planning on going to uh, one of the red flags, obviously 20-1, it ends on Thursday, the uh, yeah. 13th of February. Um, so you probably won't get any by then. But uh, if you want to sport some ramp swag while you're, um, uh, while you're at red flag 20-2, uh, jump on our website, www.rampcheckglobal.com, or you can go, obviously, to our Ramp Check Report. It's not our Ramp Check. It's www.rampcheckreport.com. <laughs> There's a link to the uh, hashtag RCG Ramp Swag store. Uh, buy yourself some Ramp Swag and wear it when you're at Red Flag. Mm-hmm. There we go. Hashtag ramp swag for red flag. What do you <laughs> there think? You go. Good job at hashtags. <laughs> Say that three times fast. <laughs> no thanks. Um, but uh, yeah, get yourself some ramp swag. Um, you know, you can uh, uh, you can be sporting the bone while you're. Uh, hey, never mind. That's, is <laughs> that still on there? The bone. That's oh, our, that's yeah. we got the bone. That's t-shirt. an awesome we got, shirt. You know, hoodies. Um, we even have new um, jogger pants. Mm-hmm. Um, swimwear because summer is for coming la- up soon for the ladies yep. sorry, the lady av geeks and right for the uh ladies of the men who want to get them something av geekish right but uh, anyway and we've got hats and and stickers and and again you know we're working on the site over this next week so mm-hmm. it'll be up and down but but um um, we think you'll like how much better and smoother right. it'll be. And, and if you run into any issues while you're on the Ramp Swag store this week, just DM us on Instagram and we'll get it yeah, resolved for yeah, you. Yeah, we'll, we'll so, let you know. And, and, right. And all that, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah. Okay. And we appreciate all the orders that we've gotten. Um, Absolutely. It's been great getting our stuff out there and having people post with their stuff. Uh, you know, thank, um, you know, 
Texas Afterburner and TX Av Geek and I mean, gosh, there's so many people that that we could name. Buff Images. Yeah, he's, you know, he's um, he's been sporting his his buff, you know, B52 yeah. shirts. There's getting to be so many. It's hard but, to remember uh, them all. Another yeah, shout I mean, out to Gatekeeper67. She's always a fun follow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you know, we appreciate all the followers, guys, mm-hmm. and, and listening to the podcast and. Uh, you know, we're a little long-winded on this podcast, so that's okay. We had a lot to cover. Where yes, are we, we at right now did. on the podcast? Like uh, we're only 40. at like three hours and 40, no, uh, <laughs> an hour 43, so okay. that's not too All bad. Right. Well, and gonna, and that, doesn't, that doesn't include like, or that includes like the 45 seconds of us, us screwing around <laughs> before we actually start the podcast, yeah, so really. we're probably at about an hour and 40 yeah. minutes. Cool. All right. Well, that, that's good. Yep. Um, and speaking of uh, social media and hashtag RCG ramp swag for red flag, um, we need to put that on anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, where can people find us on social media? Well, I'm at... Aaron Rumfalo, uh-huh. R-U-M-F-A-L-L-O, and uh, uh, but obviously all the Av Geek stuff and all the aviation photos are on at Ramcheck Global, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Um, we are going to work on getting our YouTube channel going. We've, we are. We've, that's we've slowly, you know, been been working on that. Um, so hopefully we'll launch that soon. Yeah. Um, you know, we've Definitely. been kicking around a couple other ideas too, and a couple other platforms and. And, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's basically how you find me and, and ramp check. We, we appreciate you following Ryan. Uh, you can find me at, uh, at follow me on Instagram and, uh, same on Twitter. All right. And for me, of course, uh, at T rum follow T R U M F A L L O. Uh, that would be tango Romeo uniform, Mike. Fox Trot, Alpha <laughs> Lima Lima Oscar. Um, sorry, I just had to do it this time. Uh, and don't forget, the Ramp Check Podcast is available on Apple or excuse me, Apple Podcasts, <laughs> Spotify, Apple, Apple Music. Well, you can get to your podcast. No, you can't. Um, so Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and of course SoundCloud. Um, and uh, make sure that uh, where you can. Uh, share the podcast with your friends and family subscribe and uh, also uh, give us a five-star rating and uh, a shout out and uh, we really appreciate it so um, again thanks again for all of your support Uh, 2020 is going to be an exciting year uh, since it started off kind of on a downer with all of the uh, uh, aircraft and lives that were lost Uh, hopefully that just means it'll be a solid and uh, positive uh, rest of uh, 2020. So, uh, yes, sir. If anybody well doesn't have anything else to say, I do not. Good day. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, brother. So, on the next podcast, we're going to have to.